Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. We are doing a topical teaching today, Hag Sameach, because we are going into unleavened bread. So today, if you would like to turn in your scriptures to Shemo Exodus chapter 12, you can read it in your own time. We won't spend a lot of time there because hopefully you're all familiar with this passage. Oh, thank you. Little effervescence. Exodus chapter 12, verse 15, it says thus, Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and from the first day you shall utterly remove leaven from all of your houses. And we know in the Hebrew, the acronym PARDES, it means actually, PARDES means the Hebrew word, it means to eat from an orchard. Pardes is how we look at the scripture. The Peshat, meaning the plain sense of the text. Then we have the Remez, the deeper level. And then we have the Drash, an allegory. And then we have the Sod, the secret things, the deep, mysterious things of the Bible. Um, now, the Sod, the deep, mysterious things of the Bible, can never contradict the plain sense. So it is a way of looking at the Bible, pardes. It's a Hebrew acronym for the Peshat, the Remez, the Drash, and the Sod. Quite honestly, you know, I look at the plain sense of the text, and it's so easy to get caught up, especially you ladies, no disrespect meant whatsoever, because it's a very hard job, as you approach these feasts, especially the unleavened bread, to get so caught up in the plain sense of the text that you are literally going through your bread cupboard all week long. Well, what is it? And each and every year, we re-examine what is leaven. And you'll never get the answer, because you're not supposed to get the answer. Because truly, in our life, aren't we, each and every year, to re-examine what exactly is the sin that I am struggling with? And each year, you're going to get a different answer as you grow, become hopefully more sanctified. What I'm struggling with this year, hopefully I overcame what I was struggling with last year. And so now, this year, I'm looking at leaven differently, asking the same questions, but receiving a different answer. Does that make sense? So we can't get so caught up in the plain sense of the text, text that we actually miss what Yahweh is trying to communicate about this feast. So I want to talk to you again today about, in the Hebrew, it's called Chag, the feast, Chag Ha Matzah, or the feast of unleavened bread, because really it's a feast of spiritual detoxification. That's what it's about. It's a feast of spiritual detoxification. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 33, It's written, Another parable spake he unto them. The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, till the whole was leavened. So the question that you have to ask yourself, 
Is there leaven in the kingdom of heaven? Well, is there? Anna? Yes. So we're so busy trying to de-leaven that we're missing the point of what leaven is. Because this is this teaching that I believe Yahweh wants to share with us all. Not to focus on the plain sense of the text so much so that we're missing what is the deeper spiritual message behind these feasts and festivals. And many of you know I've spent over a decade in the Messianic movement where the emphasis is on searching out your bread cupboard, getting the perfect matzah, which is pierced and striped and tastes like cardboard, and going through a seven-hour Passover Seder with your skull caps and tallits and shofars. And is that what it's about? There has got to be more. The purpose of unleavened bread isn't about looking for baking products. It really isn't. I should be studying the labels on the baking products and then discarding them. Remember what it says, Paul says to the Romans, that the carnal mind is enmity. Enmity against Yahuwah because it cannot subject itself to the will of Yahuwah. If we are looking for baking product ingredients, we are in the carnal realm. And we actually make ourselves enemies of Yahuwah because he's trying to do a much deeper work. He wants us to be in submission, in subjection to him at these feasts and festivals. And I've been deleavening my house not really me. My wife has been deleavening the house from baking products because, yes, we still have to look at the plain sense of the text because it's a picture of what should be going on deeper. So I'm not saying that you don't look at the bread cupboard, but that is to remind you, the natural is to remind you that you should be doing the supernatural. It's concrete Hebrew building blocks. Every time you see a crumb on the floor, then that is time for us to inspect the loaves or planks, as Yahushua says, within our own bodies, right? So it's a, it's a fabulous time of year. Now, what do the scriptures teach us back in the creation? That all of us, as Yahuwah's creation, that we have an actual portion. Now, think about how you would make bread. You make bread by having a sourdough starter, don't you? And you put a little portion of that in with the loaf, and it, if you leave it long enough, it will leaven the whole lump. So a portion of something is placed within the loaf. And we know that Yahushua said that he is the bread of life, and that ultimately we're going to end up glorified and resurrected just like him, right? So... Go back to the creation and here's the teaching. Because Yahweh, as the creator, has put a portion, a sourdough starter of himself within you all. There is a lump of divinity within us all. Not that we are divine, but he has what? Let us make man in our own 
image, he said. So he took a piece of himself, the sourdough starter from heaven, divinity, and placed it within the bread of man. This is the very building block for the teaching today, the very building block for the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Everybody with me so far? So I don't want to be speaking. Lynn, with me? Okay, because I don't want to be speaking over your heads. I want to be speaking to you because, quite honestly, I have been really discouraged and I have been very mournful this week. There's a lot of work, as you can imagine, in preparing for this festival, and I have been very, very sad. And very, very sad upon my studies. And finally, I put the books aside and I just went into prayer with Yahweh to just ask, what are you trying to show me? What do you want me to teach to your people? And why am I so sad? And I didn't hear anything. And that just made me even sadder. And I'm just being real with you. And then when I'm feeling really hopeless, to tell you the truth, under so much pressure, feeling so hopeless, and then right at the last moment, when everything is dark and all closing in on me, Yahweh speaks to me through the still, small voice. And he shows me, as he always does through the scripture, he says to me, these are like the days of Joseph for you. And I went to the scripture In Genesis, I believe it's Genesis chapter 50, when there was the morning, Joseph, the morning, was it, where, let me find it for you. Might have a note somewhere. Hopefully I jotted it down. Yes, it's um, Genesis chapter 40, verse 20. And it came to pass the third day, that's not even the scripture. Where is the scripture? I thought I would have written it down. It's Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50 verse 10. Because I'm feeling so sad. And I realize that these preparations for the Feast of Unleavened Bread is a festival of seven days. Is it not? But I've been preparing for seven days in preparation for the seven days. So I'm kind of a little ahead of you guys just because of the preparation that I have to do to be able to come, to be able to speak before you. So there's a little bit of a time lag. Does that make sense? I'm always kind of a, a week ahead because of the preparation that I have to do. And I'm so sad. And then Yahweh finally answers me. And I turn to Genesis chapter 50, verse 10. And it's like, this is why I'm so sad. Because unleavened bread, Yahweh shows me, is like unto the morning of Joseph for his father Jacob. And how long did he mourn for his father Jacob? He mourned for seven days. And Yahweh's showing me that I'm in a place of mourning because that is what the Feast of Unleavened Bread is supposed to be about. It's a time, Matthew, when you are supposed to be mourning for seven days for your sin just like you see in the scriptures. And I see this, and I ask another question. And I say, but Yahweh, 
why I feel. Why is it I look at some people and I feel that they don't have the struggles that I have? Everything that I've done in my life is always a struggle. It's a battle to come up here, to be able to communicate. It's a battle. Nothing comes easy to me for me. And I'm like, why is it that I struggle? I struggle with sin. I struggle. It's a battle. And so Yahweh impresses on my heart, you have spent so much time in the baker's fire and you stoked your oven so hot. Turn to Hosea chapter 7. So I turn to Hosea chapter 7 and Yahweh reveals to me why it is that I have so many struggles in my life. And I want to share that with you today because I don't believe that I'm alone. I don't believe that I'm the only one that has these struggles. So I say all that to say this. That Yahweh is faithful. He does answer our prayers. He does speak to us. But it's usually after much trial, seeking, searching, looking in the natural when he's asking us to look at the supernatural. And that's what the Feast of Unleavened Bread is all about. We need to heed the parables of our master because he's not looking at the natural. The parables are teaching us to go into the supernatural. So back to the Feast of Unleavened Bread, we need to decipher what kind of leaven is in our life. Because not all leaven is bad, because there's leaven in the kingdom of heaven, right? So there's two different kinds of leaven. In fact, there's four, but we need to decipher first off the difference between chametz hara, which is the leaven of wickedness, and then chametz hatov, which is the leaven that is fit for an altar. You do realize that some of the sacrifices, leaven was actually put up on the altar. So it's not all bad. But we have to decipher what kind of leaven it is that we're dealing with. Chametz hatov, the good leaven, or chametz hara, the evil, wicked leaven. Is it fit for the altar? Or is it only fit for hell itself? So the kind of leaven that we need to search out is the kind of leaven that we try to hide from others. That's the leaven that we need to be looking for. You know, the leaven that we defend in arguments. The leaven we actually deny that we possess. I don't have any of that. Well, yes, we, that's the kind of leaven that the Father is looking for us to find. Because ultimately, all creation has a portion of his sourdough starter within it. It contains Elohim's. We contain Elohim's starter dough mix. And that's what we need to grow. Lechem min ha shamaim, The bread from heaven. The sourdough starter from heaven. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. The very act of creation, think about it. It involved putting something of himself into matter, whilst at the same time he remained separate from his creation. Did he not? 
This is the teaching. And it's not like I said, the kingdom of heaven is void of leaven. It's even offered on the sacrifices on the altar, Leviticus chapter 23 and Amos chapter 4. But we all have the charge of purging out the old leaven, 1 Corinthians 5, and then we have to exchange it for the sacrificial dough or the starter lump, which has all the ingredients within itself to prepare our bodies for rising. The resurrection. If we have the correct starter dough, it's going to prepare our bodies for the rising. That's the divinity part. Does that make sense? Matthew chapter 16, verse 12. Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of leaven of bread, baking ingredients, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Get your eyes, Matthew, off the baker's bread. You don't want to be caught up in the baker's oven. You don't want to get caught up with the baker that offended his master, do you? What happened to the baker that offended his master? He was made a feast for all of his master's servants, wasn't he? Genesis chapter 40, verse 20. And it came to pass on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday. There's only three birthdays in Scripture, and bad stuff happened on them. Because in the book of Satan, the most important day is the day of your birth. In the book of Yahuwah, the Scriptures, the most important day is the day of your death. Because then you can see the life that you lived. Pharaoh had a birthday and he took the baker's head. Job's children were having their own birthdays and the whole house came a-tumbling down. And Herod was celebrating his birthday and John the Immerser lost his head. So pagans do bad things on birthdays. All that to say this... Be careful of the days you celebrate instead of celebrating the days that Yahweh has for you, which are his Sabbaths, his feasts, and his festivals. And it came to pass on the third day that he lifted up the head of the baker. He hanged the chief baker just as Joseph had interpreted to them. The baker's oven. And the bread are all teachings about the fact that leaven is spiritual fermentation. That's what leaven is. It's not the outward searching for specks and crumbs, but the inward loaves or lumps within us all. That's it. Our hearts are like a baker's oven. Our hearts are like a baker's oven that produce certain kinds of bread. Lechem chara, which is bread not turned, or lechem chatov, which is the creator's sourdough within us. And like I said, this week I was feeling so sad, and Yahweh showed me Genesis chapter 50, that this is a time of mourning. That's why I was so sad. Because it's a seven-day time of mourning for our sin, the leaven in our lives. We should be sad. But then I'm more sadder than most, I think. 
And I feel like everything that I do is such a struggle. And that I've been with Yahweh since my early 20s. And I'm like, why is it that I struggle so much more than everybody else? And there's the sin of self-pity. And then you start comparing yourself to other people. You know there's got to be some sin in that. You know, never compare yourself to other people. But I do. And I'm like, why is it that I am just going through this time in my life? And Yahweh shows me Hosea 7. And he says this unto me. He says, Matthew. And I didn't hear audible words, but the Holy Spirit leading me to Hosea and speaking to me through the scriptures that, Matthew, you spent from 0 to 24 like a flaming on fire oven you you torched your oven so hot you fired yourself so hot in the passions and the wickedness and the evil of the world more than most men do in a lifetime you burnt so hot from those early days and so hot that it only took a little bit of time for the baker to step away from that oven and knead the dough because the heat of the oven had so much power in it that it leavened the lump so quickly. And you've only been with me for such a short time that it's going to take time for the heat of that oven to cool down in your life because you stoked it hotter than most men do in a lifetime and that's the consequence. But I haven't even begun properly with you. That's what Yahweh shared with me because I was feeling like I've been with you so long. Why am I still struggling? And Yahweh said you have even, haven't even got started. It's because you stoked it so hot that you are suffering the way you are now. Now, when I read Hosea 7, I understand what he means. And some of you that live those kinds of lives will understand exactly what I'm talking about. <clears throat> Turn with me to Hosea chapter 7, verse 4. They are all adulterers. As an oven heated by the baker, who ceaseth from raising after he hath kneaded the dough until it be leavened. In the day of our king, the princes have made him sick with bottles of wine. He stretched out his hand with scorners, for they have made ready their heart like an oven. Whilst they lie in wait, their baker sleepeth all the night. In the morning it burneth as a flaming fire. I'm reading this and Yahweh's revealing my life to me. And I thought that he just wasn't listening to me. When everything's closing in, they are all as hot as an oven and have devoured their judges. All the kings are fallen. There is none among them that calleth unto me. Ephraim, he hath mixed himself among the people. Ephraim is a cake not turned. Yahweh wants us to get rid of our adulterous and idolating lusts, does he not? 
That's what he wants us to get rid of because he likens those lusts unto the inflamed furnace of an oven of the baker. And that baker spent his youth heating that oven to such a high temperature, to such extreme temperatures that he ceases from heating it only for a short time because it doesn't even take that much time just to knead the dough and the heat of the oven will get it leavened. And I'm thinking, but Yahweh, I've been with you all this time. Why do I? It's like, but you heated the oven. You heated the oven to such extreme temperatures. You need to abide with me longer because you've got more cooling down than most people. So I'm getting this conviction and seeing that there is an answer for everything to those who wait. Now, sometimes we have to wait too long, don't we? And when the chariots are just bearing down on us and the sea is before us and we've lost all hope and it's dark and you're like, oh, feel like giving up. And that is when the Elohim of the last moment, why do we have to serve the Yahweh of the last moment? <laughs> Why, why couldn't he be the Yahweh of like, get up and go, I'm there at the beginning when trials start? But that's not the Elohim that we serve, is it? Oh my goodness. So this teaches us, Hosea teaches us what? That leaven is in the atmosphere. The baker only had to remove the bread and knead it just for a short time. But because the oven was so hot and leaven was in the atmosphere, the lump rose very swiftly, did it not? So there's the teaching. There's the consequences of my life, Yahweh is showing me. We're not supposed to be focusing on baking ingredients. We're supposed to admit our sins and that we spent our youth stoking the flames of lusts and adulteries, the lust of the world. I burnt with passion for the world for 24 years and inflamed it so hot that yes, my lump has been out of the oven for a short time, but the consequences of that, it's going to take a little bit longer. I have to abide. That is why when I look at some who hadn't stoked their youth with such flameful lusts, that they don't have the struggles that I still do. I mean, this is the divine principles of sin and consequence. But it doesn't mean that I've been abandoned. It doesn't mean that he's done with me. In fact, Yahweh says, I'm just starting. Because you've had to have all this time to be molded and cool off from that heat. And I'm just inspired at how faithful the Father is in these days of mourning it's been for me. Seven days of mourning, just as Joseph was mourning for his father Jacob. Seven days of mourning for the sin in my life and the sin in your life. That is the feast of unleavened bread. The baker, think about it, Hosea 7. The baker only needed to stop feeding the fire during the short period of the fermentation of the bread. 
He only needed to stop stoking it for a short time of the fermentation of the bread because of our unclean hearts are likened unto this heated oven and the unclean lusts are the fuel that makes it hot. This has answered so many questions to me about the struggles that I have in my life, that no shrink, no counselor, no one in the world could ever answer. But Yahweh answered this in a morning of prayer in his scriptures. That is supernatural. That is the power of his word to bring healing to a broken man. We are not alone, and he is faithful And he loves us in spite of our youth, in spite of our folly. But there's consequences. And I can't look at another man who doesn't have the consequences that I have and go, why? Because he made better choices than I did in his youth. But there's another part to the tale. And that is maybe that man's generational lump isn't as leavened as my generational lump. Because that sourdough starter, remember, Yahweh placed a piece of his sourdough starter in his creation. And then that goes on to the next batch and the next batch to the generation so now I have to go and look at the loaves that were before me and start to see the sourdough starter so in combination with the oven that I stoked in my youth I now start to look at the sourdough starters in my parents my grandparents and my great-grandparents and I see a problem confounded compounded that I'm dealing with. That's what I see. I see a man who was 51 years old that abandoned his wife and three children and ran off with his 21-year-old secretary who ended up having four children of which I came from. I see a generation before that that came back from the war with what was we now know as shell shock But back then, they didn't know that. I see a generation before that, deeply ingrained in the occult and the Masonic Lodge. I see now these things, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. No wonder these are the days of mourning. The days of mourning and the seriousness of this. This isn't a bloody Easter egg hunt. What kind of healing can you get with that for crying out loud? But with the Feast of Yahweh, you can get some healing if you're looking not at lumps of bread, but at the spiritual lumps within your lives. It's that inward fire that keeps the heat within itself, within that oven. That fiery hot oven that receives the wicked baker's bread in Hosea 7 that are the lusts of an unclean heart. And it says that Ephraim is what? An unturned cake. What does that mean? 
That's you and I, Ephraim, scattered into the nations. He is an unturned cake. He's burnt on one side, and on on the other side, he's not even cooked. He's good for nothing on either side, right? Well, that's it. And I think, well, what does that mean? That's the category that most Western believers fall into. Professing faith, yet their life is one of contradictions and inconsistencies. A cake not turned. Living in a state of self-contradiction, always in one extreme or the other. Good for nothing. Lukewarm. A cake half turned. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, it is written, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of Elohim. Therefore, the world, the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of Elohim, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him does what? Purifies himself just as he is pure. The feast of unleavened bread the time of purifying, purification, spiritual detoxification. And now I understand why I was like Joseph that was mourning for his father Jacob for seven days. Because that is what these unleavened bread days are about, mourning for our sin. We're supposed to take this time to make that character-changing choices in our life that will ultimately determine our future destination, right? This seven-day festival, it's not about putting bits of righteousness in my life. That's not what it's about. But it's about getting the sins out. I don't go around putting bits of holiness into my life. That's the leaven of the Sadducees. Religious leaven. Hypocrisy. Oh, I'm going to put this on and put this righteousness. No, it's getting it out, the sin out not putting bits of righteousness into my life. It's a feast of sevenfold purification. But to fully keep it, we have to realize that Satan is what? He is the thief that cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. And then I ask you the question, when a thief stole from one, What did he have to do? Did he get off scot-free? What did he have to do when a thief came in and stole from another? He had to repay how many times? Seven times, did he not? Proverbs chapter 6, verse 30. People, do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he is starving. Yet when he is found, he must restore sevenfold. He is to restore sevenfold. He may have to give up all the substance of his house. This leads us into what this feast is about. 
giving up all of the substance of this house because we have stolen. So you take that seven days and you start to clean your house because you've all served and walked with the thief. Right? Because we're all sinners. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of Yahweh. There's four types of leaven. Number one, the leaven of the Pharisees. Mark chapter 8, verse 15. Take heed. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And what is that leaven? That is the leaven of false doctrine and religious hypocrisy. We don't want anything to do with that. Number two, the leaven of the Sadducees. They are sad, don't you see? Because why? Yahushua said unto them, Take heed and beware of the chametz, the leaven of the Sadducees. Because the Sadducees only accepted the first five books of Moses. They rejected the prophets. They rejected the writings in the Tanakh. They did not believe in angelic majesties. They didn't, in fact, believe in the supernatural at all. They denied even that the lump could be raised up because there was so much leaven within them. They denied the resurrection. They denied the power of the Holy Spirit. Pretty much like the modern secular believer today. They don't believe in the supernatural. They don't believe in that. They only believe in what is right before their face. It's a carnal belief system that is based upon power, influence, and authority in the here and the now. Whereas we're looking in the hereafter. I'm not looking for my payback now. I mean, if I was, I would have given up a long time ago. But I believe in the resurrection. And the power of a transformed life. I just need to be more patient. (laughs) And understand I've got some consequences that are still reaping. I'm reaping in my life. And I have to admit that and accept that. Even though it's been a long time in my estimation. Yahweh says, well, I'm only just getting started. And I'm thinking I'm at the end. I did. I had this conversation with you, didn't I? I'm tired. I think I've had it with you. I think I've had it with most of you. (laughs) The third type of leaven is the leaven of Herod. Mark chapter 8, verse 14. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Then Yahushua charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of Herod. So the leaven of Herod, think about it. It wasn't only the leaven of adultery. Yes, it was, of course, the leaven of adultery. But there's more. And it connects today with what's going on in the state of Israel. It gets, connects today what's what's going on with the Levitical hierarchy and all that we're dealing with, with the pushback from the Malkitzedic teaching and the Malkitzedic priesthood. Because the leaven of Herod is the leaven of adultery. But think about it. John the Immerser had done what? He had exposed the leaven of Herod, did he not? That was his calling, to expose the leaven of Herod. He exposed sin. John, the immerser, he refused to be silent, did he not? So Herod had him imprisoned, 
And then he was beheaded on Herod's birthday. So the spirit of adultery is in fact one as the same as the spirit of murder, isn't it? The spirit of adultery is akin to the spirit of murder. But there's more. You see, Herod was occupying the throne that rightly belonged to Messiah Yahushua. So he committed murder in order to establish his falsely acquired throne, didn't he? Just as today, the Levitical hierarchy is operating under the leaven of Herod. Why? Because they're trying to usurp Yahushua's position as high priest upon the throne. And don't you think they're not ready to commit a murder against the saints? Because many of the saints, Revelation 5, are going to find themselves crying out underneath the altar. And that's exactly what they're doing. It's the leaven of Herod that is the Levitical hierarchy that is usurping the throne and priesthood of Yahushua. You've got to be careful. It is. At Unleavened Bread, we recognize that Herod's act, his barbarous act of genocide took place where? Beth Lechem, in the house of bread. Right? I mean, I'm connecting all the dots. Are you guys? Come on, I'm not alone on this. It happened in the house of bread. Sometimes I'm wondering, is it, am I just seeing things there that really aren't there? Am I the only one? Everything, it's everywhere. And then I, I, and then, then I walked down the street. I came in last night. Tamara was exhausted. She's like, let's go out for, for, for dinner. And I snapped her head off. I said, I don't want to go back out there. I'm sick of the world. I hate the world. I'm not going back out there. Well, what are we going to eat? I said, I don't care. I don't want to eat anything. I'm not going back out in the world. Just wanted to know if you wanted to go out for dinner. But that's the point. I've been out there all week. Oh, I hate the world. That's where I was like last night. And Tamara's like, okay. I guess it's mac and cheese then. Well, that's fine. Good grief. Pray for my wife. But the feasts of Yahweh are training ground for us for what's to come. Because the Levitical lump is operating in the spirit of Herod, the leaven of Herod, seeking to claim authority that Yahweh has given to his Malkitzedic son, Yahushua. That's the leaven of Herod. It's adulterous, and they will end up committing murder against the saints. And the saints will find themselves crying out under the altar, Revelation chapter 5. You see, Yahweh desires for us to come into that intimate place with his son. Because his son desires to take us as his bride as he rules upon that Malkitzedic throne. But today... We find the Levitical hierarchy and Zionism trying to steal what is set up for the bride, trying to steal the throne upon the Temple Mount. It's the leaven of Herod. 
And they will become adulterers and murderers just to keep hold of it, just like Herod was. So we have the sin of leaven or Herod in us whenever we allow someone or something else other than Yahushua to occupy the throne of our heart also when we take it inward. And if we do that, we become murderers of the son of Elohim and we trample his blood underfoot and call it a common thing. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. The fourth kind of leaven is the leaven of Corinth. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you. Deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the master Yahushua. You glorify in it is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? So this is talking about congregations that don't purge and expel sexually immoral believers. Because if you allow sexually immoral believers to remain in the congregation, they will leaven the congregation. The congregation will become powerless as the Holy Spirit departs and other spirits enter in that will deceive the body. So you have to purge out the leaven. You have to keep a what? A clean camp. You've got to keep a clean camp. Now... On the other hand, there is a kind of leaven that we should embrace. And we need to embrace the kind of leaven that leads to eternal life. We need to embrace the leaven that leads to eternal life. Because that is the lump of sourdough starter that the Creator put in us at the beginning when He said, Let us make man in our own image. And here's the teaching in itself. We have to replace our own selfish, our own flesh, our own desires, our own sourdough starter, if you will, with his sourdough starter. Do I want my own sourdough starter, which is going to produce its own kind of lump? Or do I want his sourdough starter that is going to transform me and produce a lump that is fit for a sacrifice upon his altar? Because leaven was put upon the altar, Leviticus 23 and Amos chapter 4. But if you've got no sourdough, sourdough starter at all, If you're just trying to say that there's no sourdough starter at all, then what are you doing? You're operating in a synthetic realm. We have to be aware. When the children of Israel left Egypt, they didn't go down to the Egyptian market and say, yeah, can we get some of that unleavened matzah, the crackers, that's pierced and striped and tastes like a cracker? No, they took a sourdough starter, put it in their lump, kneaded the bread, just as they always did, but it is called the bread of haste because it didn't have time to rise. It had all the ingredients within itself to rise, yet it was unleavened because it wasn't risen. We're not searching for new ingredients. 
We're not supposed to be looking for baking soda. Baking soda is synthetic, is it not? It's not organic. It's not real. It is a synthetic product. His sourdough starter is in the lump. We have to raise that lump up with his sourdough starter and purge out our own sourdough starter. That's the key. If you've got no sourdough starter whatsoever then you are operating in the synthetic realm. You are looking for baking soda as a leavening agent. That's just a distraction. You're caught up in the carnal. You're caught up in the natural because you're looking for a distraction rather than dealing with your own sourdough starter. Does that make sense? It's a synthetic realm because baking soda is manufactured using a chemical process where carbon dioxide and ammonia are actually passed into a concentrated solution of chloride. That is not what we're to be operating in, is it? At all. If that is what your week has been about, then you have missed the point entirely. You're totally unaware of the battle that we're engaged in. You've fallen for a secular, synthetic, Sadducean leaven, and you have missed the point of the feast. That's not what the Feast of Unleavened Bread is about. Yeast represents the supernatural. That's what yeast represents. Not the non-living raising agents like sodium bicarbonate, which represent the synthetic, earthly and carnal realm. Because think about it, the issue is about supernatural, heavenly and hell-bent powers trying to take over your life, isn't it? It's not about natural carnal forces. My battle isn't with flesh and blood, but principalities. I have to look to the supernatural to get help in the supernatural. We're dealing with spiritual powers in unseen places. Ephesians chapter 6. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So unleavened bread is about making sure the right starter dough is in our lives. That's what we're to make. Are we going to continue in the dough of bitterness that has been handed down throughout the generations? Bitterness, revenge, because that's the satanic Sadducean way. Or will we choose what unleavened bread is about? The path of forgiveness, which will lead to what? The bread from heaven. That's what I'm searching for. That's what I'm looking for. It wasn't yeast alone that was placed in the new dough to make bread as Israel prepared to leave Egypt. But it was a sourdough starter dough that was placed within the bread. Because all of this leads me to the second thing that Yahweh has been showing me. Generational iniquity. Not only did I stoke my oven to such an inflamed temperature in my youth, but I also have to deal 
with the generations, and mine are different than yours. And I cannot compare myself to you, and you cannot compare yourself to me. It just so happens in this time of life, I've been dealing with health issues with my mother that brings it extremely, extremely close. But listen, that which leavens us, listen, that which leavens us is an already living remainder of the previous batch of dough. That which leavens us is an already living remainder of the previous batch of dough. And here's your generational iniquity that needs to be purged out at this time of year. It's your family line. It's your family affair. This isn't some individual journey that you're on. We better get the whole household involved. (laughs) This is a familiar affair, is it not? With familiar spirits. It's a family affair. It's in your family line because the line that defines the nature of the next loaf of bread you produce to sustain yourself. This is huge to me. Unleavened bread is supposed to remind you to purge out the sourdough starter from great-great-grandpa and great-great-great-grandpa and replace our lump, our life, with the pure leaven from heaven. The pure leaven from heaven. So I'm like, I'm on my knees. I'm emotional. And I I never get emotional. You know that. And I'm like, well, I'm really screwed. Is what I'm thinking. I didn't say that word, but I just did right now. I'm sunk. Not only did I heat that oven up ridiculously hot for 24 years. What a fool. But now I've got to deal with the leaven in the lump from the third and fourth. And I know what was going on with my mom and my dad and my granddad and my grand... I know this stuff. Because we kind of keep better track of things in England than you guys do over here, unless you're Mormons. (laughs) My goodness gracious me. Within us is something of our father. Within us is something of our mother. Always their nature needed, needed, needed within our dough. Naturally leavening our lump by default, is it not? By default. And if we don't do anything about it, it will just ferment and ferment. And then the next generation takes a lump of that and puts it in their loaf. And it leavens and it leavens and it leavens. And then the next generation take and it's compounding. And oh my, it's disgusting. Yahweh has designed the Feast of Unleavened Bread to deliver us from our generations if we're truly looking at 
the baker from heaven, not the baker that was found in iniquity in Egypt, not the baker that was found in iniquity in Hosea chapter 7. What we received from our parents was placed within us by Yahweh for a specific purpose, to unleaven me. He placed it within me to unleaven me. The purpose was because He loves me, because He loves you. We receive from our parents what was placed within us by Yahuwah for an unleavening purpose. Because these, in fact, Yahuwah knows that these are the chief ingredients, the very ingredients that Matthew needs to deal with his sinful nature are placed within him. But I didn't leave him unequipped because I placed my sourdough starter within him also. He just needs to vacate his heart of the sinful passions of the world and make room for my sourdough starter to grow. Because my heart is like an oven that was stoked to such lustful temperatures. And this is what Yahweh has been sharing with me this week. Because he wants to share it with all of you. I truly believe that. I truly do. There's so much that we can overcome when we look. The things that you're dealing with. Yahweh put those chief ingredients within you because he knew those were the ingredients of the sinful nature which we're supposed to battle. We need to go through our generational house. We need to go through mama's kitchen. We need to go through mama's kitchen because that's where the real leaven is. Mama's been hiding a lot of leaven in her kitchen. (laughs) Once converted, we should search out and embrace the accumulated good of our generations. We should reject the evil of those same generations and make our own contribution to the dough, should we not? In turn, what will happen is it will then be passed on to our children. They'll have to do the same needing and make the same choices to choose Yahweh's sourdough and to purge out the leaven from their mother's kitchen. But all of the ingredients Yahweh has placed because he knows that we need to purge it. And that's our battle. That's the purpose of this feast. We can't escape our parents' natures. But that doesn't mean that we have to mindlessly knead those natures into our daily bread before examining them either, does it? You see, we're born into this life with starter dough of our previous generations. And once that starter dough gets going in that new batch of dough, there's nothing to stop it save death or conversion. That's your only hope. The only thing that's going to stop that sourdough from the previous generation is death or conversion. Because at conversion... 
then you have an opportunity to what? Vacate your heart of your sinful passions and place the sourdough starter that has been placed within you, a place for it to be nurtured and grow. That's why the baker's oven has to be cooled. Hosea chapter 7. That conversion has to lead us into this feast. Otherwise, that lump stands no chance. You're not going to get this teaching at Easter. Yahweh has designed his feasts to help us, to guide us. You and I are being leavened in our souls day by day by one of either of two batches. One good. The other evil, we're constantly having to choose which one to knead into our lump. And listen, once kneaded, you try and separate it. Uh-uh. Once you've kneaded that into your lump, you can't separate it. And that is the consequence of sin. That is, and, and you can mourn about it all you want. You can have self-pity, Matthew, all you want. But you needed it into your lump. Now, your life is harder because of that. Because of that. It's the consequence of sin. Which sourdough starter do you now want to lead, need into your lump? Because you need to put a greater amount of Yahweh's sourdough starter in your lump than more most people to overcome the sourdough starter of your generations. And my wife often tells me, she's like, she knows why Yahweh has me in the ministry and has me in ministry ever since I was 24. Because she knows what kind of leaven was in this lump. When she met me, she said, well, Matthew, he only had a backpack and, and, a, and a cardboard box. But he had a whole lot more baggage than that. <laughs> That's all the earthly possessions I had. Because I'd burnt my inheritance by then. See? Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. It is appointed for men to die once. But after this, the judgment. We've only got now to deal with the leaven in our lump and make the choice. We don't have a post-mortem resurrection for when we can change things. It's now or never. You and I are being leavened daily within our souls and we have to choose which lump to put in there. The sourdough starter that Yahuwah placed in us from the beginning or the sourdough starter that is being needed in from generation to generation that isn't being checked, that isn't being questioned. That is what we need to make the choices. That's why at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, we're commanded to get rid of all the leaven out of our homes because it is a family affair. It concerns those who share the same DNA, those that have the same genetic lines. It's just not just about the individual. Sure, it begins with the individual, but it permeates throughout the whole family lump and it goes into our congregational body too. If you choose to remain in the bitterness of hate, you'll never, 
ever receive the starter dough from heaven, and that's Yahusha's lump. You see, we have the complete freedom because Yahweh is such a loving Elohim. We have the complete freedom to choose the familiar starter dough, that which we are familiar with, or we have the choice to choose the starter dough from heaven. By default, man chooses what's familiar to him. It's a familiar affair. And that's why the generations get locked up in iniquity. When I accepted Yahusha, I was asking him to add a piece of starter dough from his being into my own very being. I already had some dormant sourdough starter from the father, but it had been overtaken and leavened by the sourdough starter from my earthly fathers and the prince of this world. And then me, silly old me, I did what? I just inflamed my oven to such a hot temperature that it didn't take any time at all. And by the time I was 24, I was so leavened that what? Even now, years later, it's only just beginning to cool is that oven. And I think Yahweh's done with me at times. And he's only just beginning because of the passions of that oven that were heated to such a high temperature. All that the bread from heaven needed, that divine sourdough, was a place to grow. And when I got converted, that gave it a place to grow, a vacant heart. A vacant heart. That's what it's about. All of creation has a portion of the divinity that's placed into our lump, our matter, if you will. It contains Yahweh's starter dough. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. The very act of creation, think about it. It involved Yahweh putting something of himself into the loaf. And we can make the choice. Through his chosen vessel, the true bread from heaven, to embrace him so we may be leavened not only by divine eternal life, but by his own son too. And that's the game changer that takes a vacant heart. And that only happens at conversion. We're simply allowing a piece of heavenly starter dough to take over and transform us as we obey his will, and his commandments. Look what the writer of the book of Hebrews says in the 10th chapter. Turn with me there, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 5. Not your works, but the giving of your life, your lump, your body. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body. Remember, we're talking about a lump here. Loaves of bread, sourdough starters. But a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written to me to do your will, O Elohim. Previously saying, 
sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin, you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O Elohim. He takes away the first, that he may establish the second. By that will we have made holy, sanctified through the offering of the body of Yahusha, the Messiah, once and for all. Without the healing of the divine leaven, sin, the old leaven, ferments within and it will eat us alive. It will stunt our spiritual growth. Clean out, therefore, the old leaven, 1 Corinthians 5, that you may be a new lump as you are unleavened. For as Messiah is our Passover, was sacrificed for us, then, then keep the feast. There's a commandment in the New Testament to keep the feast of Passover and unleavened bread. It's a commandment by St. Paul to keep the feast of Passover. Not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened matzah of sincerity and truth. And like I said, it wasn't yeast alone that was placed in the new dough to make bread as Israel was preparing to flee Egypt. But it was a sourdough starter. We're a new lump. But we're only a new lump with Yahuwah's sourdough starter within us. We have to be unleavened because we're not yet risen, are we? Not yet. Unleavened bread is supposed to prepare you for rising. It has all the ingredients within it to be risen, yet it has been taken out of the baker's oven the lusts of this world and formed so that you can deal with the generational lump beforehand. When all of that's done and you've been taken out of the oven of the lusts of this world and then you replace your generational lumps with the sourdough starter of heaven, then when? Then you'll be ready for rising the resurrection. There is the teaching of unleavened bread. And we're looking for flecks of bread and looking at the ingredients on the back of products. And that is the carnal mind is enmity against Yahweh because it cannot subject itself to Yahweh. He's asking us to subject ourselves to his close examination. And you better mourn for seven days for your father. Because it's your father's yeast in you that is the very undoing of your life. Your earthly father. But it is your heavenly father's yeast in you that is put there to prepare you for the resurrection. But you've got to take yourselves out of the oven. Because you burnt with passion and lust and adultery and idolatry for all those years that you stoked that fire so hot, Hosea chapter 7, that there is a consequence in your life. 
Don't compare yourself to another man. Because maybe he did not spend his youth on the folly that you did in the baker's oven. Don't compare yourself to another man because you don't know what his father lived like and what his grandfather lived like and his great-grandfather lived like. You realize that you have a job to vacate your heart to allow the sourdough starter of divinity to grow. But you've got to get the sin out of your heart, which is the passions of the ovens of man. This is what Yahweh was showing me this week. And I realize why I have been so sad. So sad. The bread we break, is it not the sharing in the body of Messiah? Because there is only one bread. Who are we? We are many. But we are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump as ye are unleavened. For even Messiah, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I want to be that new lump. I want to be prepared for the resurrection. I want to be prepared to be raised and risen up. But it is going to take time, Yahweh says unto me. It's going to take a whole lifetime with you, Matthew. But you are to pursue my starter dough from heaven. And you'll replace your own yeast. And when you replace your own yeast, you will rise because you'll be imbued with my word. I'm just getting started with you because your oven is finally cool enough that I can manage handling you. And I thought, why? And I was discouraged and sad. And now I have all the answers, all the answers through prayer and the searching of his word. When I was really lost, he found me again this week and I praise Yahweh for his faithfulness his faithfulness for what a wretch of a man he can use because he placed a piece of his sourdough starter within me from the moment that he knew me when I was in my mother's womb and he has done the same for each and every one of you unleavened bread I am so excited to be able to spend it with all of you. Amen. Questions, comments, anyone at all? Let's pass the microphone around. As you can say, I'm exhausted. It's been a very emotional few weeks for me. The best teaching ever and the thing that made it good was you exposed yourself and made it personal. Thank you. Thank you, Don.